Today we get to welcome into the family of the church and the family of the faith four people. One adult who's very aware of what she's doing today and three babies that will be told the story over the years. And so we get to tell the story on this day that is the birthday of the church, the beginning of the church, you know it. Um, we get to tell the story to you who are deciding to be a part of us. So it's a you. Welcome. Welcome to this community, to these babies. Welcome to our faith. Today, we are hearing that from the time of Moses, and one could argue from the very, very beginning, there is a spirit that moves over creation and inspires and conspires and we respire. It is like our breath. It is our breath. Every time you breathe, your inhale, your exhale, that is the spirit in us, we are told in our tradition. And it's kind of like trying to set up a service outside, right? <laughs> How we think about spirit in the church. I don't know if you can hear me or not. I can hear the sound going in and out, so I'm just going to shout at you and you <laughs> cover your ears if it's too loud. But it's that fundamental, the thing we're talking about. And it's like setting up a church service outside. We have taken the outside, the inside and put it outside when really what we're doing inside is trying to bring the outside inside and we kind of lose sight of that. That we're actually trying to build a forest grove inside with all that beautiful and stone that shelters and protects us and surrounds us with the light that comes from the sun through these windows that remind us of the stories of our faith. See so what we're doing in there. And bringing it outside, you kind of wonder what parts of that do we need? Like clearly we need the hand sanitizer station, right? <laughs> that part. But what do we need if we're trying to re-inscribe onto nature what inside we're trying to inscribe into our architecture, which is that God moves among us like a spirit-filled wind, is the spirit-filled wind maybe at times, is like the breath in your body, is like those vehicles going by, is moving through us and around us, is like the shelter of these trees. There is nowhere that you can go that God is not. There is no part of your life that you have lived that has not been with you. But sometimes we get a little bit caught up, maybe sometimes, maybe all the time, and how God seems to be in there. And we have created a space that God will be with us and that we can know God. There are the very particular stories through which the light shines, very particular kinds of faces and clothes and bodies, all kinds of things, right? That are the ways we might believe, the only ways we might know God. And so we're out here on Peachtree today, one, because the weather is perfect, because it's a really good idea, because this beautiful grove of trees is here for us, to recall that there is nowhere you can go, there is no imperfection great enough, there is no mess big enough in your life that God is not with you. There is no last minute setting up of the barbecue grill that means God's not gonna show up. So what does that mean, right? That sounds kind of neutral, God is with you. It says in the very beginning that as Moses, who has liberated the people, taken them out of enslavement in Egypt, and how much more power can you get than that, cannot figure out how to lead the people. Can't do it, even with God talking to him directly. And so God says, get 70 people 
Bring them here and let, let me share my spirit with them. And we'll do it like this so that we know that Moses is not in conflict with them. Sounds like from the beginning, they've had the same problems we have today. They had to stand next to Moses. People would know these folks are with Moses. And the spirit comes upon them. It's great, except that two people choose not to come. And the people say, what controversies are they creating that they're not here? And the spirit seems to have descended on them over there and they're prophesying. And Moses says, God says through Moses, don't worry about it. If there's some good happening over there, let's claim it for ourselves. Let's be about it. And there, friends, is the story of the church. We've gathered you here. We gather you in there. The spirit descends upon us, no doubt about it. We want you to join up. Come be with us. Come stand with us and be a part of this story in this place. And prophecy is always going to come from over there or over there or over there. And all we've got to have is the discernment to understand it. We will be called out to our true selves, often from outside of this community. And it's okay. It's actually really good for us. God is not limited by us not limited by these fences, these buildings, by our capacity to be creative and thoughtful together. That as a poet that writes so little of each other, so long from tribe and fire. She's writing about tenderness and connectedness, right? And she's writing during COVID times when we were feeling so isolated in, in those times when we were in our homes, most of us, and couldn't sit like this safely, right? We're, weren't sure how it worked. She ended up doing a whole other, this, it's a wonderful poem about community, doing one, um, an, another piece just like it, asking young people to send to her what it felt like to be connected, what it felt like for people to be kind, and the poem is about kindness. And so there's this long, long poem that's every little thing that these young people thought was kindness. Someone said, when I like your, when someone says to me, I like your hat, right? Um, she wrote the way in an elevator you all get in and someone becomes the elevator operator, right? Someone said the way you notice and get in line with tenderness when there's a mess, the way we work around it, the way we just fall into being in ways that are right, the way we notice each other, the very small things, right? The way you made space for someone to sit, the way you made sure they were comfortable here, that little, little thing, right? The way you notice that you just say that's a, that's a great pair right? Happy to, happy to see you, the way you smile at people you don't know. She says in her poem, the way that we say, bless you, which comes from way back in the bubonic plague, which means please don't die, right? The tenderness and smallness and kindness. But she links it to tribe and fire. And this is where Pentecost does something different with fire. Tribe and fire is that idea that we are here and we're for each other. Right, we're gonna have each other's back, we'll support each other. Boy, do we need that in life. The church says this Pentecostal fire actually drives you out, right? Tribe and fire isn't that we protect one another, it's that there are no barriers or limitations to our tribe. Now that's tough. If you've been commissioned to kindness and there is no limitation to this tribe of ours, there is no in and out, we bring you in to bring others in to mean that we're always everywhere. There is no exclusion in our tribe. So she is recalling a time, the poet, um, that, that um, we idealize as sitting around a fire together, feeling comforted, 
But it's kind of like subsistence agriculture, which sounds really hard. We idealize what it might mean to grow our own food. I think it meant people were hungry a lot is what it means to grow your own food. If the rain doesn't come and things don't work out exactly as you need. Tribe and fire is because the lions are coming, right? Seems a little precarious to be sitting around that fire, hoping your people will protect you. There's something of who we are that we do that. And of course there are lions, so yes, let's do that. And some people are really vulnerable, so let's do that, let's protect one another. But tribe and fire in the Bible, tribe and fire as we understand it as the church, is always expanding who we are called to be kind to. And on this Memorial Day, let us not forget what it means to expand and include and liberate. We remember today on Memorial Day very specifically the Civil War, right? That's why we have Memorial Day. At the end of the Civil War, and there are a number of stories of, of why after the Civil War. One is that a man in upstate New York, I think in Buffalo or somewhere, sees a woman, sees a widow walking to the grave of her husband and placing flowers there. And from that is inspired. Um, to remember with all of these people that are scarred forever by war. Another story from South Carolina is that um, recently freed enslaved, formerly enslaved people found a mass burial site of Union soldiers at a Confederate, at a camp, at a, a prisoner of war camp, and dug it up and spent two weeks reburying everybody, offering everyone dignity. And there are more stories than that of where this idea comes from of Memorial Day. Um, but the, the larger frame for us today is that we remember. We remember people that have died in war, but let's not forget, it was a very particular war. And at the end of it, all the stories that tell us of why we remember it are stories of kindness, of profound generosity, of thanksgiving, of tenderness to one another that might have been about maybe there can be a healing and knitting back together, maybe. And we still live in those shadows today. It's like we, we keep fighting the war, don't we? We keep sacrificing the lives. We keep negotiating still, right? Until right now we're doing it in government. Whose life deserves dignity? Who should eat? What should they do so that they can eat? Right? Who carries the weight of our as a nation? Who doesn't have to worry about it? Today, kindness. We can be kind to each other. But if we are not a closed tribe and you are joining an open tribe of all the people, the tribe, the tribing of us is that we are commissioned to be kind, yes, tender, kind is in person, that is love to one another, but to be prophets as well. The spirit comes and makes prophets. You are called to prophesy, receive it today, to tell the truth to communities that need to hear the truth to tell the truth to yourself, that can be tough. To tell us your truths, to help us to become expansive and open-hearted and justice-seeking and peacemaking right here. And the church has a commission no smaller than that. We don't just get to be nice to each other, though that's hard enough work, right? We are called to make a certain kind of society. And on Pentecost, we are empowered to do it, all of us. So be as open-hearted as you can. Be like, that. I think that was a perfect image of that dove coming through, getting caught in the trees. Go for it. Fly as high as you want. Let your imagination soar about who we can be together, who we should be. Let the fine incense of hot dogs infuse your heart and soul. Think of that flame and remember
Remember Abba Lot and Abba Joseph and the old church fathers, when Abba Lot says, I try to pray, I'm doing some of that, I'm meditating, what do I do now? I'm not quite where you are. And he, um, the old man, puts up his hand and says, become like flame. And his fingers all light up, is what the story says. It is in you. The Pentecostal fire is in you. Receive it. We are called to great, great things together and small kindnesses. We can do both, and we will do both. And for you who will be baptized today, welcome to our tribe and welcome to this fire. Amen.